0: This time on Geek Pod Blue. Warning, station is now on code blue. Yeah. Welcome to Day 2 of Geek Pond Blue's 12 Days of Christmas. Uh, I hope you guys are looking forward to this because we've got a very interesting story today and we're going to be continuing with our history of Santa Claus. Now, I was not aware of this because my knowledge of Santa Claus pretty much comes from those Bass Rankin specials. Uh, I thought he was a little man made of wood that talked to puppets and a uh, burgermeister named Meisterburger. But it turns out that he was a real person as we learned last episode. But apparently, much like Doctor Who, he also has companions that travel with him. Now, I don't think that his sleigh exactly counts as a TARDIS, Uh, but I think that these companions certainly uh, paint an interesting picture of how scary the world used to be. Years ago, you'd have something good, but then you'd have something equally as bad, you know, as its opposite. So, whereas now we try to, you know, be nice to kids and, you know, try to nurture them and usher their growth, back then it was like, hey, be good and good stuff happens. Be bad and you'll die. Uh, Pretty much is how it worked. Now, uh, the companions of St. Nicholas are a group of uh, very closely related figures who uh, apparently would travel with him throughout territories in the Holy Roman Empire. Now, they act as uh, an antithesis to the bene- benevolent Christmas uh, jolly elf, I guess, and they would uh, threaten to hurt disobedient children. Uh, they would do awful, awful things. Whereas, you know, if they were, the kids were good, they would get toys and candy. If they were bad... Santa's companions would fuck their shit up. Now, one of these we're just going to touch on. Everybody knows who Krampus is, and we're going to talk about Krampus in another episode, because there is definitely enough material there for Krampus to have his own little podlet, as it were. Now, the first one of these we're going to talk about is Net Ruprik. Now, in the folklore of Germany, Necht Ruprecht, which uh, translates as farmhand Rupert or servant Rupert, is a friend of St. Nicholas. And uh, he's one of the uh, most familiar, at least in Germany. I think here in the U.S., Krampus is more familiar uh, due to the fact of uh, numerous TV uh, appearances and movies. Uh, but in Germany, uh, Necht Ruprecht is the most uh, you know traditional and the most uh known now tradition holds that he appears in christmases uh i'm sorry appears in homes on christmas eve and he's a man with a long beard and he has a fur or covered uh suit and sometimes he carries a long staff and a bag of ashes and he wears little bells on his toes now according to those said traditions a rubric will ask children whether they know their prayers And if they do know their their prayers, they receive apples and nuts and gingerbread and all sorts of other little nifty old-world gifts. If they don't, he beats the children with his bag of ashes. Now, I don't know if uh, a bag of ashes would hurt. I mean, this might be the uh, old-world equivalent of a sock full of quarters. I don't know. Uh, In more modern versions of the story, he will give them naughty gifts like lumps of coal and sticks and stones, uh, whereas the well-behaving kids would get sweets from Santa Claus. Now, he's also been known to give naughty children a stick in their shoes instead of candy and, and such like that in German tradition. Ruprik was also a common name for the devil in Germany. Um, you know. And Grimm from the Brothers Grimm states, Robin Fellow is the same home sprite whom we in Germany call nekt neck Ruprecht, and exhibit to children at Christmas and uh, he first appears in written sources in the 17th century as a figure in the Nuremberg Christmas procession now it's interesting to know as the first one of these we talk about you know it's it's pretty bad you know this guy is uh, the anti-claus so to speak uh, apparently he uh, walks with a limp because of a childhood in- injury and is a uh, Clothes and face are generally dirty because he gets covered in soot when he goes down chimneys to, you know, rape and destroy your children. Um, Sometimes the children would be summoned to the door to perform tricks like dance and sing to impress Santa and Rupric just to prove that they were good kids. And those who perform badly would be beaten soundly by Rupric. Now, that's kind of like some American Idol shit right there. I mean, teaching your kids you better sing and dance perfectly or you're going to get the shit kicked out of you on Christmas. Um, That would scare the crap into me, me just to be good. I gotta say. Uh, In other versions, finally, uh, the kids would be tossed into a river. Into a river. Be good, kids, or you'll be tossed into a river. I mean, that's some seriously messed up shit right there. Moving on to the next companion, uh, The next companion of Santa Claus is named Bell Snickle. And no, that is not the name of a foreign candy bar. It is the name of a man wearing furs which cover his entire body, and sometimes he wears a mask with a long tongue, and he's a kind of a scary creature. He visits children at Christmas time and delivers socks and shoes full of candy. Uh, but if they were not good, they'll find coals or sticks or switches in their stockings instead. Now, this particular uh, myth actually made its way to the U.S., oddly enough. In parts of the United States in the 19th century, Pell's nickel traditions were maintained uh, for a while among immigrants. As far west as Indiana... And still in Pennsylvania, where he's known as Bell Snickel. Now, uh, a first hand 19th century account of the Bell Snickel tradition in Maryland. Uh, can be found in a collection of essays written by a man named Jacob Brown in 1824. And uh, he says, you know, we did not hear of Santa Claus. Uh, we were visited by a different character altogether. T- he was known as Kris Kinkle Belt Snickle and sometimes as the Xmas woman, which is a very strange way to put things. Children then not only saw the mysterious person, but felt him or rather his stripes upon their backs with his switch. The annual visitor would make his appearance sometimes hours after dark, though disguised, especially in the face, which would sometimes be covered with a hideously ugly fizz. I don't know what a fizz is. Apparently here it says it's generally a female garb. Um, Sometimes it would be a very large woman with uh, masculine shoulders and force. Uh, She would be uh, equipped with a sack, uh, around the shoulders, filled with cakes, nuts, and fruits, and a long hazel switch was which was supposed to have some charm as well as sting. So there's your BDSM right there. And they were scattered the goodies upon the floor and scramble, uh, you know, to, to have the children begin to pick them up. But they would hit the uh, the kids who were excited with the, the switch. They'd hit them in the back while they were grabbing the candy. So I mean, that, that's seriously BDSM stuff. Um, this was apparently a prominent in Maryland, in Pennsylvania, uh, amongst the Pennsylvania Dutch as well. Uh, that was a pretty big deal. Now we were talking about throwing kids in rivers now we're talking about hey kids i'm going to throw this candy on the ground and when you go to grab it i'm going to beat you while you're grabbing it um you know i i i gotta say this is some seriously messed up stuff but i mean that's that's what tradition family and religion can do to a person um finally we're going to talk about black pete or zwarte pete um he is the third uh Companion of Santa Claus, and uh, there's not as much about him. His uh, Wikipedia uh, is pretty much a stub rather than a long article. Uh, but basically, the character first appeared in his current form in an 1850 book um, by uh, someone by the name of Jan Shankman, and is commonly depicted as a blackamoor. Traditionally, is Z- white Pete Zwart Pete. Sorry, is said to be black because he is a Moor from Spain. Now, uh, people who uh, portray him typically wear blackface makeup, which we know is awful. And uh, basically, he just hangs around with Santa. You know, he's not as bad. He is kind of like comic relief, Um, you know, making jokes and doing silly things. He's certainly not beating on the kids. Uh, I've got to say that it's certainly nice that somebody came up with some traditions that weren't about beating children because, I mean, that's kind of fucked up. but that is going to cover the companions of Santa Claus uh, tomorrow. I think we're going to talk about the one that everybody really wants to hear about, uh, which is Krampus. Uh, but you know, I hope to see you guys tomorrow. And oh, and just like clockwork, there's my phone. Hold on, just a moment. Jackson Paul, Jackson Paul, everybody. And Paul says, on the second day of Christmas, my Hugh friend gave to me two comic books I don't have time to read. Seems about right. Now, I am glad that Paul interrupted me there because I almost forgot one figure that I wanted to add uh, to the companions of Santa Claus. Now, this isn't actually someone who is said to travel with him, but it's kind of a variation which is uh, uh, spoken of in some of the same texts, and uh, I just thought it was an interesting spin on the Santa Claus myth. Now, Jolu Pukki, Jolu Joulu, I don't know, I don't know how to pronounce this. Jolu puki is a Finnish Christmas figure. Um, and uh, the name Jolu puki, uh Pukki, that sounds so awful, or dirty, or just cute, I'm not sure, uh, literally means Christmas goat or Yule goat. Apparently the word puki comes from the Teutonic root bak, which is a cognate of the English buck, uh, and means billy goat. So uh, this is an old Scandinavian custom, and the figure eventually became... Uh, pretty much uh, a Santa Claus in Finland, or at least related to. Now, uh, the Joulupukki is a uh, pagan tradition, and we will touch on pagan traditions at another point during these 12 days. And it's connected to Norse mythology. It's said to wear a tight red leather pants and a tight fur-trimmed red leather coat. That sounds like a party in San Francisco rather than a holiday tradition. Uh, but apparently. Uh, he he was a man turned into a goat man on christmas eve now in finland there are a lot of people who still dress up as in a goat costume and perform in return for leftover food after christmas so as a christmas tradition i just want to frame this for you people in finland will put on red leathers and go perform acts of some sort for leftover food i i mean it it's all right if that that's your your idea you know i mean here we sing christmas carols um Apparently, uh, such that the person who does that is usually an older man, and tradition, they refer to them as a nutty pookie, or nutty pookie. It actually looks like nut. So uh, I can certainly understand that, you know, performing for leftovers, I would say you've got to be pretty nutty. Now, just so you guys know, most of these words have little squiggly things over them, so I'm probably pronouncing a lot of this stuff wrong. Uh, so please, if you if you do know exactly how it's supposed to uh, be pronounced, uh, feel free to you know yell at me for not knowing Swedish. Uh, now, apparently, uh, Lupuki and his wife live and work in a place called Korvintur. Corvin Tuntree in Lapland. His assistants are called Tantu, and they're not elves, but they're basically small humans. Uh, They dress the same as Jilupuki in the the tight red leathers, and the males also have a white beard. Um, They're smaller in size, but can be of any age and gender, and uh, a lot of people like to dress up as those as well. Now, uh, pagans also have a a festivity to honor the return of the sun and believe that Jolupuki is the earliest form of the present-day Santa and part of that celebration. Uh, The Yule Goat was thought to be an ugly creature and frightened children while others believe it was an invisible creature that would help them prepare for the holidays, a lot of people theorize when Christianity began incorporating pagan ways into their festivals in order to justify their actions. Like at the Council of Nicaea mentioned last time, they merged the pagan figure with an already known existing Catholic legend known as Santa Claus or Saint Nicholas to create Santa Claus. So the idea is that they may have taken the pagan Jolupuki and kind of slash him with St. Nicholas, to create our modern-day Santa Claus so they could better control the masses. Um, you know, it, because really, I mean, Santa is more of a modern creation. There were popular radio programs uh, from 1927 on, including uh, all of the jingles and everything written, that a huge influence on reformatting the com- the concept of Santa. Santa was a tradition, traditionally um, part of historical and, uh, cultural traditions and took different forms. It wasn't until, you know, the late 1920s that, you know, uh, advertising executives got their hands on the concept and turned it into the, the marketing behemoth that Santa Claus is today. Uh you know, if you think that, you know, for all time it's always been about Santa Claus and his reindeer and jolly sleigh, a lot of that stuff is uh, just creations of our marketing executives to sell more shit at Christmas. And that's fine. I have no... I don't care about that because you know what? We all get together give each other cool shit and have a lot of fun. Um, that's going to wrap things up this time. I will see you guys tomorrow when we are finally going to talk about the evil evil Krampus. Till then, tuck and roll, kids. <laughs> Geekpod Blue is a Geekpod Network production. Executive Producers Paul Showens and Hugh Allen. Concept created by Paul Showens and Hugh Allen. Intro is Opportunity by Jameis Breed. Closing is Bucket by Jameis Breed. Both licensed for use by Dennis Johnston. Want to help the show? Leave a 5-star rating on iTunes pod can be reached at contribute at geekpod.com or send us a tweet at geekpod that's g33 kpod you can also find geekpod on facebook and instagram g33 kpod that's g33 kpod